Hello, and welcome to MGMA Small Talk, where we discuss issues facing practice administrators across the healthcare world. I'm Shannon Geis, staff writer and editor at MGMA, and today I'm speaking with Frank Cohen, Director of Analytics at Doctors Management, LLC. He is an expert in data mining, applied statistics, and predictive analytics, and he has worked with a wide range of clients from solo physician offices to practices with over a thousand providers. He is leading a featured session at the MGMA 2017 annual conference, taking place October 8th through 11th in Anaheim, California, called Predictive Analytics 101, an introduction to the future of healthcare. Frank is here with us today to talk about how medical practices can use predictive analytics to their advantage. So thank you for taking the time to talk uh, today. Um, if, first, if you would just really explain what predictive analytics is. Well, I mean, the basic concept is that there are two major components to what people think about prediction. And the first is estimation. That is, you know, estimating budgets or estimating outcomes that we might um, see in, you know, in a practice or a hospital or whatever. But predictive analytics actually relies upon existing uh, data or prior data in order to be able to make a prediction about an outcome that goes far beyond what we think about when we think of estimating. Uh, an example might be like what the government does with the fraud prevention system, where they'll analyze millions of claims that they know have already been, let's say, identified for fraud, and they train their algorithms to recognize what it looks like. And then when they process um, physician claims through this program, it sniffs out, if you will, and identifies by the likelihood or probability that a given claim or set of claims may violate some rules or regulations or be subject to fraud and abuse. So it's a very important part of what we see now in healthcare. For um, practice administrators or um, people running uh, medical practices um, who maybe not have had a lot of experience with predictive analytics, what should they really be thinking about when they're hearing this term or how it might be affecting them already? Well, from my perspective, a lot of what I do in compliance, for example, it's predicting which physicians or which procedure codes or modifiers for given physicians might, what, which of those has the greatest likelihood of being audited, let's say, should an audit occur, or how likely is it that an audit will occur. But there's lots of other applications. For example, predicting when an employee uh, may quit by looking at certain performance components for that employee or access information for that employee or predicting which patients are most likely to sue a physician, let's say, for malpractice or which physicians are most likely to have a, a negative outcome or even which physicians might be most likely to leave the practice. And those are, I think, are critical areas. Uh, even still, we, we're working on models right now to predict which patients are most likely to be a no-show or which patients are most likely to be late so that a physician's office can schedule, much like an airline does, uh, in order to be able to overbook, let's say, without overbooking all of the slots, but overbooking so that less than 5% actually have more than one person in that same slot. So those areas of predictive modeling are so important uh, for building efficiency within a practice and, again, for ensuring that, you know, we need compliance as best as we can. And if people aren't really looking at this, um, 
why should they be? What are some of the reasons um, why they really should be um, taking a look at this kind of stuff? Well, I think everybody should understand how it works because, look, it's about to become a major part of who we are in, in healthcare. It, it works in the clinical area, too, of predicting outcomes for patients by looking at how patients have responded to to um, certain treatments or combinations of treatments, like we talked about, you know, being able to be more efficient or knowing someone might leave or might be sued. But to me, one of the big issues I see is that there's a lot of uh, people, vendors and other folks that are going around now uh, saying that they rely upon predictive analytics to do what they do. And in fact, it's not predictive analytics. It may be simply estimation. And there's a big difference between the two. And so I think it's critically important whenever, whenever a new and emerging technology comes about, people have to at least understand how it works. So you can spot, um, you can spot a claim that, that is not valid. You know, when someone claims, for example, to be using predictive analytics when they're not, to be able to know what questions to ask and the difference between, you know, predictive modeling and just estimation. Yeah, and so um, what are some of the differences there um, between predictive analytics and, and estimation? Well, in predictive analytics, for example, we train the algorithms. So, uh, for example, when we're talking about compliance risk, we might take um, tens of thousands or several thousand claims that we know have already been subject to audit. They've already been selected for an audit. And we take a portion of those, maybe a third of those or half of those, and we pass them through a series of different types of algorithms. And there's many different algorithms that are used in predictive analytics, and each one has its pros and its cons, which is something I'll cover when I, when I do my session in, um, um, for MGMA this year. But we would pass those through these algorithms, and what we want to do is we find, want to find which of those algorithms seem to be best and identifying that those claims are fraudulent, let's say, or that they have a particular issue. And then what we do is we'll take another set of those same claims and we'll pass them through the algorithms that we think perform the best, and we'll test them to see which of those predict best that those claims are, in fact, um, subject to an audit. And, you know, obviously what we're looking for is we want one of them to pick 100%, but they usually don't, but they pick some percentage. And then when we find the um, algorithm that works the best, then we'll take a bunch of those claims that we know were subject to audit, and we'll mix those with claims that we don't know were subject to audit. We want to see how well that algorithm picks those out, right? That's one of the key areas. So in, in predictive analytics, one of the first things we look at is something called classification. And again, in our case, we're looking to classify whether or not a claim meets the, the criteria, the predictive criteria for for being uh, fraudulent or not. If we're looking at employees that might quit, for example, mm -hmm. we might take a look at data, access data to EHR, access data to, um, um, to other types of records, or, or clock in and clock out time for employees, and look to see which employees have left in the past. And we want to be able to um, identify or train those algorithms to say, look, these employees are ones that quit. Look at all this information about them. And, and tell us which of those pieces of data are most important or point most to that ultimate outcome. And then you want to you continue with this training like we talked about before until it gets to a point where 
we can identify a particular algorithm that's been trained to see which of those components best predict what the outcome is going to be. So that's like the first part of it. That's, that's what that is. And then there's something called unsupervised learning, which is where we don't really know how an outcome is going to come out, but it's information that we might be able to rely upon, like the OIG work plan or the search study or um, other types of information that, um, um, that a subject matter expert might know about in order to contribute to what would be the, the, um, you know, the outcome of it. Wow, that's really interesting to, to really sort of hear some of the nuts and bolts of how this really works. Um, but in some ways, it feels like almost like you're predicting, you know, you're, it's a crystal ball, you're guessing the future. Uh, are there drawbacks to that? Oh, sure there are. I mean, you know, if you don't build these things properly, you end up with false positives. False positives are always expensive. You know, in our model, if we were to, to use, say, systems that didn't check and balance that, we might say all these doctors or all these codes are subject to an audit, but they're really not. So you waste all your time looking at things that aren't part of what the outcome should be. Or you might, um, you might estimate that a certain physician uh, is going to have, um, I don't know, clinical issues, and in fact you're wrong, and so you waste your time on that. You know, putting all your eggs in the outcomes basket is always dangerous with anything that, that we do as administrators and managers. But if you look at it from the perspective of Netflix, you know, that's how they predict what movies you might want to watch next. Or Amazon comes up and says, hey, we think you might like these items. Or um, um, with a Pandora, right? Comes up and it recommends music to you um, based on what your prior listening habits and patterns have been and the characteristics of each of those of those songs that you've listened to or artists that you've listened to. So if we, if we are able to rely upon the model to minimize the false positives, we're doing okay. Um, the problem comes is when we have to make sure we don't minimize the false negatives. Those are the most important ones. So I don't want to miss something that's important, but I also don't want to throw things into the bucket that are not important either. So it's a, it's a balancing act. Yeah. Sounds like it. Um, is there any way to sort of tell if you're if you're having some of those false positives or negatives? Any way to kind of any red flags for those kinds of things? Well, some of that feedback loop stuff, you know, like in, in our side of it, we might we might throw a bunch of claims into an algorithm, and it comes out and it picks out a bunch of claims that it thinks might be subject to an audit, but in fact we know that they're not. Or we may review those and find out that in fact that's not the case, so they didn't meet the criteria. And then what we do is we tweak the algorithm. You have to do it all the time. We have to update these algorithms regularly with new data because, you know, as, as the auditors are looking at things differently, we need to look at things differently also. And, and people need to be careful uh, about claims that are made, you know. For, for example, uh, someone might say, well, we, we do this and mirror exactly how the government does it, let's say. But if you don't know what their database is and you don't know what algorithms they're using, you don't mirror anything. What you do is you do your best to follow the basic um, sort of axiomatic rules, the guidelines behind building predictive analytical uh, models, and then you, you test until you're able to quantify what your outcomes are. Interesting. All right. So you kind of mentioned this already, but you really see this um, as 
having a lot of effect on, on healthcare, especially in the future. What ways uh, do you see that um, maybe it's maybe predictive analytics isn't being used yet, but will be? Well, um, so for example, if you're, if you're able to identify um, employees that might leave um, or patients that might sue, you can take action in advance in order to prevent those events from occurring. It's very expensive to train an employee. And if you can do something to retain employees, have higher retention, your turnover time or turnaround, you know, whatever they call it, turnaround rate is lower, then it's, it's a more efficient and more cost-effective way to run a business. If you can do the same thing with, for example, malpractice lawsuits, if you're able to identify um, patient behaviors and patterns that might, in fact, indicate um, a malpractice lawsuit, for example, and you can head that off, there's an obvious benefit to that. And, and, and where I focus a lot is on the compliance risk analysis. If I'm able to um, identify for practice those procedure codes and modifiers and physicians that are most likely to be audited, then they can focus their efforts and their energies doing risk-based auditing rather than wasting their time on random audits. And, and so that becomes not only more efficient for them, but, you know, I mean, look, Risk-based auditing is all over the place now. Mm-hmm. You know, people are talking about the government saying it, the payers are saying it. They're doing it uh, because they found it to be a more efficient way to do things. So I think the big, I think the big benefits are efficiency for sure, and um, the idea of if you have a better knowledge of what to expect, then it's more cost-effective to plan for those outcomes. Yeah. You know what, my, I always thought that I would be the one, one day, that would be able to predict when a person is in their last year of life. If you think about it, they say, what, some 70-some percent of all health care expenses on a person are, are incurred during their last year of life. So if I could predict it and say, hey, this person has exactly one year left to live, think of the enormity of the cost effectiveness and how we could gear our treatment. For people like that, it would be so much. It would be amazing. Now, I can't do it. You know, I don't think that's something I'll ever be able to do. But those are the kinds of um, of um, uh, outcomes that predictive analytics could have. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, you know, oh, it's so cool. I, but you know what? I think about it all the time. I really do. I just when I get free time, I just think about ways to predict that. And I know you can't do it. You know, but even if you can come close or something to it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have the resources, that kind of research, but you know, I'm sure someone's working on it somewhere. Very probably. Um, so we've get we've done a, a great little um, sort of overview of of predictive analytics, and you're obviously going to get um, you know pretty in depth on this with your um, with your session at annual conference. But is there any last sort of takeaways or anything else that you think that people um, listening should really know about uh, predictive analytics? Um, just that it's it's you know, it's the wave of the future. I know people say that a lot, and I'm not a prognosticator, and I can't predict the future. <laughs> you know, predictive analytics can't do that. We've been trying to predict human behavior since the 1400s, and we can't do it. But just to know that it's going to be an important part of uh, the business component of of managing our our um, businesses, our our practices, our hospitals, nursing homes, hospice, whatever it is, and and it was just like with RBRVS, you know. It's here to stay, whether you like it or not. And the sooner you learn about it, the better off you're going to be. And it's the same thing with predictive analytics. It's here. It's it's going to be around. Um, you can ignore it, but it's at your own peril. So 
you know, hunker down, put your seatbelts on, and be prepared to learn a new, a new technique. Great. Well, thank you so much, Frank, for taking the time to talk. My pleasure. For more information about Frank's session at MGMA 17 and to register for annual conference, visit mgma.org slash podcasts.